It actually goes back way to the start of the whole world. An angel visits Mary. Then says he's gonna have a then she's gonna have a baby, not a he. That'd be weird. The baby that you have will be named Jesus. Like what? <laughs> How old do you think Mary was? was um like 45 i don't know like 30 my mom your mom is 13 i think so and in some places in the world right now and if you were my age you would get married you'd have two not in our religion but you'd have two wives by the time you're my age to the fact that she was eating a lot or doing some weird things that only women do when they were pregnant. An angel named Gabriel came and told him in his dream when he was just about, when he was thinking about breaking up with her. But then an angel came to him in a dream and told him not to. The king said, you go back to where you were born. Now they need to go to Bethlehem. I don't think it was fun. 70 miles away. What? Yeah, that was it took a long time. Joseph and Mary was gonna go in an inn, but there was no room, so um, they found a manger. But then they find a mage. I would be thinking, when are we going to stop? Otherwise, I would just barely pass out. They stayed at a barn with all the chickens and all the poop. Shepherds were watching their um, flocks and then the angels came to them. The shepherds were in a field nearby. And a whole like company of angels or heavenly people appeared up in the sky and started singing. It was really bright. They were like, it was a lot of noise. You should go see this baby that was born. When they found out that Jesus was born and he was a savior, they went around and told people about him. Wise men followed a star. Our Christmas tree has like a red book. Not now I guess the three wise men followed a star on the on, on three camels. They were a little wrinkly. These are old. <laughs> they were they were wrinkly because they were old. Gold, frankincense, and money. It's the Lord, the Christ, and you only bring him three gifts? So? He's the Lord, your Christ. Give him the whole kingdom or something. Jeez. That, that was not even hard. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Merry Christmas. This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home.
Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us over in the Fox Valley and Stevens Point and all those who are joining online as well. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> that was really cute, wasn't it? Three lousy gifts. Yeah. This kid has no idea that when they show up with that bucket of gold, one gift will do just fine. But uh, you know, it's all relative, right? Um, let's take... Uh, before we get into the message, uh, take our offering. Now, we've been doing this virtually because of all the stuff going on. So uh, many of you can give on the way out. There'll be buckets that you can uh, toss into, checks, cash, whatever, uh, buckets of gold, uh, <laughs> instances, myrrh, whatever. <clears throat> and, uh, and the rest, uh, I've been giving online. Many do recurrent giving, which is our best situation. We so appreciate it your faithfulness in doing that. You can give at our website, those of you who are at home, celebrationchurch.tv. Uh, the rest of you uh, can use your phone. Uh, there is an app, actually, a Celebration Church app. I would encourage you to grab that, uh, not just for giving, but you're able to get updates from us about things going on in the church. And when the weather gets crazy, assuming someday we'll have snow, what this, this is about. <laughs> Don't worry me, no. Get thee behind me, Satan. And uh, <clears throat> I got snowmobiles, man. I got to use those things. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, you know, you can get updates if there's a snowstorm or something. You don't have to sit there and stare at the TV for an hour and a half to see if they mention us. You'll be able to see it right on the app. And you can give there as well. Or you can text to give. And the way you can do that, you can pick up your phones right now and do that. Uh, it's, you're sending a text to this number, 77977. That's the number you're sending it to. And in the message, you type CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church Wisconsin, CCWI, and then your dollar amount, and you hit send, and uh, uh, you can give that way. And we're very grateful for your faithfulness uh, during this time and continued giving. We're also having a legacy program. We're going to talk about that at the end of the service today. But right now, this is just our regular offering that you can get involved in that way. All righty then. Um, now, we are doing a special, we do our normal 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock uh, Christmas Eve service, but then for those who are concerned, you've been locked in the house for so long, you say, well, yeah, <clears throat> we really want to have a service, but can you do the official distancing thing? Yes, so we're doing that at 1 p.m. Uh, you can go online and reserve your seats that way. What happens is, because our, at least here, I don't know how they're doing it in the campuses, they're doing the same kind of thing. But here, all the church chairs are numbered. And uh, so we're blocking out every other row. So you won't sit in front of or behind anybody. And you can set your people. And it will be a masked service. We'll all look like the Lone Ranger 
when do you come in for that one? <clears throat> so uh, if you don't like that stuff, don't come in. We will actually ask you to put on a mask in that service. So if that's you, all you people out there, <clears throat> lots of people, uh, it's been about two-thirds of our people have been at home. It's getting more like 50-50 now as more and more people are getting comfortable coming back, but still a lot of people at home. So this will be your chance to come with your family on a Christmas Eve service. You've got to go online and reserve the seats or uh, your seats will not be available to you. All right. Um, <clears throat> this morning, reading from Luke, the first chapter, because Luke is giving us the account of the birth of Christ. We read from it, uh, I don't know, last week or the week before, where uh, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, who was a priest, and the angel Gabriel comes to him and tells him that his wife Elizabeth is going to have a child, and his name will be John, and all that. So we, we read that. So we're going to pick it up now at Luke, the uh, first chapter, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so Elizabeth gets pregnant, as the angel said. She's kind of hiding, if you remember, she's hiding out. She's six months pregnant. Well, th when this happens, then God sends the, Gabriel, uh, uh, the angel Gabriel again. This time he goes to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin uh, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant, a descendant of David. This is to fulfill the prophecies in the Old Testament. that, uh, And we're talking about King David. This is David and Goliath, that David as becomes the king of Israel. God promises that his kingdom will never end. Well, it's not his, but it's going to be his offspring, speaking of the Messiah. And uh, so um, she's pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who is a descendant of David. So that's where the line picks up. Um, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Really? I'd just be freaked out that an angel popped in. <laughs> ah! But uh, she's like, well, what, what kind of greeting is this? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary says, well, how... Will this be since I am a virgin? And then the angel starts to explain. We'll pick that up in just a minute. But you can't help but think, well, wait a minute. Because when Joseph or uh, Zacharias was told that he was going to be a father and he's an old man, his wife's old, he says, come on, how can this be? And the angel smacks him and he can't talk for nine months. You remember this? Now the girl basically says the same thing and she's okay. And it's like, what's the deal here? Uh, but there is some explanation here. Now, there's a, a couple of ways of explaining it. One that a lot of people will go to is that, you know, Zechariah, he was a priest. He should have known better. Mary is, as the kids on the screen alluded, extremely young. Most Bible scholars think she was like 14 years old at the time. And this is the way they did things. Now, people wait till they're 30 to get married, which drives me crazy. Don't change the subject, Mark. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, anyway, so, you know, it comes to hers, and because he should have known better. After all, we all know bishops and priests and pastors all held to a higher standard. 
which yeah, those of you who've been reading my Facebook know that I have been going psycho on this a couple of weeks ago and caused quite a stir because I said there's no such thing. Pastors, elders, bishops are not held to a higher standard than the rest of Christians. And people have a fit because they've heard this all their lives. You've all heard it. Pastors are held to a higher standard. You know, just like how many wise men were there? Yeah, wrong, okay? The reason we say three is because everybody said three. And mostly because there's a song that says, we three kings of all So it's got to be in the Bible if it's in a song, right? So, so it, we don't know how many there were. Could have been half a dozen, a gaggle of them. Who knows? But there's things that are repeat, and there's so many things. I might actually go off on them this next year as we... <laughs> So many things that people take for a fact. They say, well, it's in the Bible. Because I heard it on Christian radio. And it's not in the Bible at all. All right. So, and then they have a fit and say, well, no, wait a minute, brother. Brother, brother. The Bible's very clear about the qualifications for a leader. Yeah, well, let's look at those qualifications. This is in 1 Timothy, the third chapter. Here's a trustworthy saying Paul writes to this young preacher. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, the NIV translation is what we're using here, and they're really odd, and they won't use some words because they think it's too offensive when the Bible is very clear that's the word they use, and then they throw words like this, overseer, which is kind of offensive, especially if you're an African-American, because overseer is what they call the people that ran the plantations. Overseer, apparently that was okay with them. It's actually talking about leaders in the church. Anyway, so, it's a good thing to be a leader in the church. Uh, now, and then he gives his qualifications. This is where people say pastors and bishops and everyone held to a horrible standard. All right. So, this is the standard. Uh, the leader is supposed to be above reproach. We're all supposed to live above reproach. It's not a different standard than any Christian. He's supposed to be faithful to his wife. That's kind of generic, right? If you doubt me, ask your wife if that's okay. <clears throat> uh, now here, again, the translation of NIV, I don't know why I use it so much. <laughs> it's because it's real clear English. But here, there, it, he, he didn't say, husband, I'll be faithful to your wife. Virtually every translation in the known world quotes it literally where it says he's supposed to be the husband of one wife. And these translators thought, well, trying to explain that could be a little weird, so we'll just he's supposed to be faithful to which I agree. I think I don't have a problem with the translation. Just literally he said, husband of one wife, which some people have a problem with. Uh, they, they, some church groups think a pastor has to be married. You can't be a Christian if you're not married. You have to be the husband of one wife. Well, that's kind of inconsistent because the guy writing isn't married. <clears throat> Paul the apostle, I doubt that was a standard because he'd be broken the standard. And others think, well, it just doesn't want him to be a polygamist, which really wasn't a thing at the time anyway. And then other churches would uh, say, for a guy like me, my wife died, my first wife, so I remarried. Now I am the husband of more than one wife. Therefore, I have to step down. And they're crazy, these people, all right? So rather than cause the stir, the translation, you're supposed to be faithful to your wife. This is something we all have to do, all right? Um, you're supposed to be temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. These are things the Bible says all Christians, when Paul is writing this, he's not giving a specialist of holy things. 
that especially holy pastors are supposed to live by. All he's saying is make sure that leaders in your church live by the standards of Christianity. We're all supposed to have these standards. Make sure this guy does that. That's all he's doing. There's nothing special. So well, he's able to teach. We're all supposed to be able to teach. In fact, in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, verse 12, the writer is writing to the Christians there, and he's ticked off at them. And this is what he says to them. Though by this time you ought to be teachers, he's talking to all of them, you need someone else to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food, exclamation point. He's ticked off. What's wrong with you people? Now, we still have this problem today. Some of y'all have been Christians for a really long time. And if you had to teach anything about the Bible to somebody, you, you just couldn't do it. The Bible says that ought not to be you. You should be a familiar with this stuff that you could turn on and teach somebody else. Okay? Um, and speaking of teachers, some people online said, well, James, the third chapter, verse one. Because I dared anybody to show me a scripture that showed a different standard. Nobody could do it. But they came up with James, and I got 300,000 people online, right? On my Facebook. Uh, so uh, I wish they all lived in Green Bay. <laughs> we would rock this place, right? Uh, so anyway, um, so with James 3.1, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow brothers, believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I understand, but it's a warning against or take, about taking teaching seriously. But everybody's supposed to teach. He just said you all should be teachers, right? You guys have Bible studies in your home. Somebody's teaching. You teach your children. Or well, any kind of situation where you're sharing Bible truths with someone else, you should take it seriously. This is not a special standard for ultra-holy people who we call pastors. Good preaching, Pastor Merle. All right. <laughs> Continuing on his list in 1 Timothy 3. Verse 3, not given to drunkenness. Oh, dang it, pastors can't get hammered. <laughs> you're all not supposed to get hammered. All right? Now, the Bible does not say you can drink. I say, enjoy your adult beverage. <laughs> but don't be getting blitzed. <laughs> Why? Because you'll do stupid things. And you'll say stupid things. <laughs> I, know, I know a couple of women, actually, who, who became pregnant as teenagers, and uh, they don't know how. And it wasn't an immaculate conception. Okay? It's because they got so blitzed, they don't remember anything about it. They did things they would have never done if they'd been stone cold sober, all right? Uh, you could be in an accident, and you get an accident drunk, you will go to jail, Jack. This is scary. Do not be getting blitzed out of your mind. Control yourselves, for heaven's sakes. Not violent, but gentle. It doesn't mean that you can be violent, and I can't. <laughs> oh, there's times I feel a little violent, I gotta tell you. <laughs> not quarrelsome. Not, not a lover of money. Money, money, money. You know, God manage his family well, that his children obey him. It's just not that pastor's kids should be obeying and the rest of you can have demon-possessed hellions burning the church down. It's not. Are you getting this? There is nothing in here that is a special standard. If you think pastors and preachers and teachers are literally holier than everyone else, you're headed for a disappointment. Because at some point, you're going to find out they're not holier. And all my friends said, Amen. yeah, I know, you guys. Is... <laughs> you're all out of the church. All right, so, so anyway, it goes on and on and explains. 
there is nothing. So it's not because Zechariah was a priest and that he got slapped upside the head and because he had a different standard of holiness than Mary. Now, the truth is, the difference was Zechariah just didn't believe it. Mary did. And, that's the, and when Mary asked, well, how is this possible? She wants fat details. You're going to become a mother. Okay. How are we doing this? <laughs> you know, I went to biology. You know, what, how do we do this? So then the angel explains uh, to her, picking up in verse 35. Well, the angel said, uh, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. Now at this point, Elizabeth hasn't told anybody. Mary's the first one to find out, well, other than her husband, find out that he's pregnant. You know, Elizabeth, they didn't have Facebook. She get updates. So she's pregnant. Oh, Elizabeth? I mean, so that kind of helps her faith because they're talking the impossible because in a sense... Elizabeth's birth was impossible, all right? Now, this one is at a higher, higher level than, than the other one, but nonetheless. Uh, for no word of God will ever fail. And Mary answered the angel and said, I am the Lord's servant. Uh, may your word to me be fulfilled. So she had a heart of belief the whole time, and the angel left her. Now, how this happens, how does a 14-year-old young girl, uh, engage in calm conversation with an angel and not freak out and get this news. And she's been hearing about this all her life because they all had heard the prophecies of the Messiah coming and a virgin will conceive. And all of a sudden, it's you? Wow. How do you even begin to process that? So uh, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Why? She just found out Elizabeth's pregnant. <laughs> I got to go check this out. So she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, we knew that the angel said that uh, John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. So they're kind of connected. So she becomes filled with the Holy Spirit, because that's what's going to happen. Now, John the Baptist, at eight months pregnant, is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not even born yet. And uh, she, in a loud voice, you know, people don't like loud voices <laughs> early in the morning. And, uh, and some people think when you come to church, you say, shh, shh, God is angry. Don't take him off. Don't make any noise. Because that's why, you know, if your dad was really angry, I mean, he's fuming, your mother would say, you better be quiet. Because <laughs> dad is ticked. All right? Well, God isn't ticked. You can be expressive in church. So she, she exclaims in a loud voice, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. She immediately knew. How did she know? Because she's suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will make you aware of things that under normal circumstances, you would not be aware of. There are gifts of the Holy Spirit the Bible talks about, gifts of wisdom, gifts of knowledge. God does cool things. And, and we haven't emphasized this enough. And I told you a couple of Sundays ago that 
we had planned at last Pentecost to have some Holy Spirit services, and pray for people, and, and just encourage spiritual gifts. And this whole pandemic kicked in and stuff. So hopefully we'll be able to do this, this next. But we want, you know, the Holy Spirit is the dancing hand of God. God just kind of shows up and does stuff. And some of you probably felt this. You're talking to somebody, and all of a sudden, somehow you know the right thing to say to them. Have you ever done this? And then you're kind of surprised that you knew what to say. Right? That happens to me every Sunday when I'm preaching. And I, and I, I well, that was intelligent. That was amazing. You know? The worst is when you fall asleep during the sermon. And the worst is when you're preaching and you fall asleep during the sermon. I mean, that's, that's really the worst. And, and you're not aware of what God's doing, but God does things and speaks to people. You know, I don't know how many people come up to me after a sermon and say, what do you have, microphones in my house? Because we were just dealing with this issue, you know. Well, who does that? It's the Holy Spirit. He makes you aware of things. And there's gifts and there's wonderful, fabulous things. Christianity isn't just a thing you show up, you know, on Sunday morning and click in with your uh, time card. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A lot of people, they just, if they want to sneak out of work, they were out of a big place, they try and get someone to check in there for them, <laughs> click their time card because they're cheating, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, that, that's not what church is. Church is celebrating this wonderful thing and experience God. God in reality shows up in the Holy Spirit, which is very, very cool. We'll get into that. That's just a little promo for that thing. So anyways, all of a sudden, she knows what's going on. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you bear. No one knows. I mean, I, I don't know that she knows it at this point that it's happened already, right? It just shows up. She goes over to check with Elizabeth. She knows she's pregnant. How do you know this? The Holy Spirit, see? She says, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Not only she knows she's pregnant, she knows who it is. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, as, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb at, at eight months, six months, uh, uh, leaped in my womb. She could feel the kid all of a sudden. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. She hears Mary. The kid goes, wow, you know, because all this stuff is happening. And, and it's so cool. And she said, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Zechariah did not believe, even though the circumstances seem uh, strangely the same. So anyway, at this point, Mary is in a state of excited utterance and praise. And she just blurts out, okay, uh, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So she's just bubbling. And she, she this, uh, theologians call this the magnificent is the, uh, this portion of scripture that, uh, that Mary talks. We're going to read through it in a minute. But she's very jazzed and, and lit up at this point, which is usually happens when you're excited, right? So the, uh, the kids are all in town here. And uh, the other night, Addison is with one of her friends. And I walk into the conversation and Addison goes, I'm so excited for that thing. And her friend goes, I really am too. And I stopped and said, I, I don't think you are. Because people who are excited tend to get excited and raise their voices. They're like both in a coma. I'm so excited about what's going on. So anyway, uh, I guess you can do that. But anyway, Mary actually 
gets excited. And, and, and when you get excited, it doesn't mean you're crazy, okay? Especially in church. People, you come to church and you hear somebody get excited, and they go, oh, they're crazy over there. Here's how you know if someone is crazy. And there's so many ways to determine this. <laughs> it's called stimulus response. If you have a great stimulus and a very muted response, like some people over here, uh, that's a little crazy. If you really have a great stimulus and your response is... So let's say you're a major Packer fan, which is pretty much most people in here. And it's a big yo mama game. And they're doing great, unlike last night in the second half. Anyway, so... And it's, and it's like, it's tied. And they're going, and they're right on the one yard. This is painful for my Bears fan brother here. I, I, I'll pray for you later, my brother. Okay, so. And, and we're playing the Bears to add to his pain. And, and his wife says. And, and they're on like the two-yard line. And the clock's ticking down. Tick, tick, tick. And the guy busts through, and he scores the touchdown. Yeah. yeah. If you stand up and go, that was uh, very exciting. Okay. So <laughs> that's a little odd, right? Now on the other, because great stimulus little response is a little, I, I got to be honest with you. Some of you, if you would really connect with what's happening here, when you come and worship God, you'd be a little more vocal than you are now. I'm not saying going crazy and going nuts all over the place. I'm just saying, you know, a little more because there's a great stimulus here, right? But we're celebrating. It's a big stinking deal. And you tend to get a little more jazzed about big stinking. So now, on the other hand, if you're in the stadium and there's nobody there and suddenly you jump up, just screaming, you're a little crazy. All right, because no stimulus, great response. You see what I'm talking about? So in church, we really have a great stimulus and great response. Well, people have it to different levels. I'm not saying you have to go nuts, but uh, uh, you know, you start plugging into this, you kind of get jazzed. This is exciting. This is a wonderful thing that we are part of. Somebody say amen. amen. And some of these people, oh, I think it's inappropriate <laughs> for people to get excited in church. Put these same people in a Packers stadium. You know, they'll go nuts, right? The green and gold cathedral down here. And these people who don't understand why people raise their hands in church. All of a sudden they get there and they're like, Wah! and they're raising their hands. And you know, suddenly there's a dramatic conversion that happens in the green and gold cathedral. So anyway. I think you're getting my point. Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he, now check this, this is a 14-year-old girl. She has been mindful of the humblest state, state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. I mean, you know, this is pretty intense. You know, she's really speaking. Uh, these words are so strong. We were talking to some pastors this last week, 
And uh, I didn't know this, but they said, there's been countries where it's been illegal to read this portion of scripture. Because, uh, mostly in South America, because you'd have these dictators, right? And then you're having the scripture that God is going to bring down the rulers from their thrones and lift up. And they don't want those kind of thoughts going in people's heads. Because they're insecure. These rulers, they're, they are a little nuts. I don't care what stimulus is happening in their brains. And they are so insecure. They've been throughout history. And, and if you read the history of kings and stuff, they have a reason to be a bit insecure. Because someone always is killing them. <laughs> poisoning them, stabbing. Sometimes it's your own kids. You know, keep an eye on your kids. All right. Oh, by the way, speaking of kids, I have a grandson today who is 16 years old. Parker. Yay! <laughs> That's awesome, 16. I have underwear older than that. I think I have them on, to be honest with you. He does mighty things. He's, he brings down the powerful. Oh, talk about insert. You, you remember Herod, right? They find out that these wise men come. So we're looking for this kid, kid who's born the king of the Jews. His heart is filled with terror. He plays the cool. Well, when you find out, let me know. They don't go back. Angel warns them not to go back to Herod. So he sends his soldiers into Bethlehem and kills every kid, every boy, anywhere near that age. You're talking serious insecurity. He, he was crazy. So anyway, the, you know, the fact that the Bible says, you know, God has a way of evening things out, okay? Uh, he brought down the rulers from the thrones, lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, set the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Wow. And then verse 56 Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. And that's the end of our reading this morning. And when we say for three months and returns home, um, her world is just getting ready to be rocked. She shows up three months later. Guess what? She's three months pregnant. How do you explain this to everybody? And, just, and all the troubles. We, uh, we'll talk about that on, on Christmas Eve. Hopefully you will be there as we <laughs> take a look at what poor Mary had to go through, okay? All right, so we're going to turn to our time of communion this morning, and uh, this is when we reflect on what Jesus has done for us. Talk about major stimulus. Jesus has made it possible so that all your sins will be forgiven. If you'll simply ask him, bless you, ask him to forgive you and come into your life. This is what we do. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, if you've never done that, I hope you'll do that with us this morning and you can experience your first steps of faith and know this Jesus that we've been singing about and celebrating. And in your own personal life, I mean, we, we, every time we take communion, the Bible says to pause for a minute and examine yourself. This is a time to reflect on, you know, how you've been doing and make things right with God if you've been struggling. And let's all bow our heads uh, in a word of prayer. I'm going to pray a word of forgiveness over everybody. Um, Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you, Lord, in any way, thought, word, deed, something we've done, something that we didn't do that we should have done, if we haven't loved you with our whole heart, if we haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves, we said things we shouldn't have said, whatever, Lord, 
for the sake of your son, Jesus, we ask you to forgive us. He gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Have mercy on us, we pray. Strengthen us as we walk in your light. By the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. That we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And as our heads are bowed, if there's something that comes to mind, the Holy Spirit maybe is reminding you, you know, you really shouldn't have done that or whatever. Just ask him, Father, forgive me. And maybe if you've never asked Jesus in your life, whether you're at home or watching me on the internet right now, all around the world, at our campus in Stevens Point or Fox Valley here in Green Bay, if you've never asked Jesus to come in your life, why don't you just do that right now? Ask him to forgive you and come in and you can start to experience this wonderful, glorious thing of forgiveness that we have been celebrating. Amen.